the Baxters uh, had their baby. So if you hadn't, if you didn't know that, so this is wonderful. Uh, Anna and Bryce had Theodore Theo uh, Booth Baxter on November 9th. And it's actually, it's pretty fun as a church plant. We're about a year old since we started. We're about six months old since we started worship weekly. And um, this is uh, just, it's, it's exciting as a new church when there's new babies that are born into our, into our, our family. And so we're going to be providing meals uh, for the Baxters. If you want to help provide meals, uh, there's a link that I will need to send you. And it's just not a link that made sense to put on the screen. Um, so on your connection card, let me know if you want that link and I'll make sure I email or text you uh, the link. And they do live out in Jenison. And so if you can't make it out to Jenison on the link, there's also ways you can provide Grubhub gift cards and things like that. But we'll provide meals for them for the next, uh, the next few weeks. So uh, that's wonderful. Um, we have been going through a series called The Bible, A Unified Story Leading to Jesus. And we're going to continue in that series today. And the point of this series is to help us learn how to read the Bible how to read and understand the Bible. We've been using this timeline, uh, which I always make fun of, that it is, uh, it is so easy to read from your seat and it is so visually attractive. For those of you that are new, I just want you to know, you know how, how top quality I believe this graphic is um, that I made. The best part of this graphic is Kyle uh, in the You Today uh, section of it. Uh, but I do want, I, what I want to, I, I go back to this timeline every week because I want us to see where we're at on the timeline and that we're not just talking about Sunday school stories uh, as we go through the series. So we're not talking about Abraham, you should be like Abraham. Moses, you should be like Moses. Today we're talking about Joshua, be like Joshua. Most of the Old Testament characters you don't want to be like. Most of them uh, did really horrible things throughout their life. There's not a lot of heroes in the Old Testament. The hero is God. And uh, that's, that's what part, partially we want to point out in this series. Uh, but it is really important to know how to read the Bible because if, if you don't, you can end up doing a lot of damage to yourself and others. If you missed last week's sermon, we, I would highly recommend watching it online. Um, we talked about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and just the difference between the two. And I won't get into it, but I, I, of all the sermons of this series, that might be maybe the most important one. So uh, today we're going to talk about Joshua and I'm going to read a little text and then we're going to break up into our groups again for a little bit of uh, discussion. But at this point in, uh, in, in, in the, the timeline, you can see so far we've, uh, we're at this point where the promised land is about to be entered. So there's been a lot there's been a promise made. There's been a lot that's happened up to this point. There's been the Exodus uh, and, and, and there's been many, many, many years have passed. And this promise of the promised land is about to come to fruition. And so uh, we're, we, we're in uh, the beginning of the book of Joshua. Today, we're going to look at uh, Joshua and Judges, two whole books of the Bible. We're going to kind of highlight some of the ups and downs of, of this section. And um, there, there, during the, the, the part of the story, God is bringing his judgment on the Canaanites. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But as we read through this, I want you to picture uh, the timeline as we read this. And you'll see main events of the timeline as we go through Joshua 1. So it says, as I was with Moses talking to Joshua, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's... How many times can you say be strong and courageous in one section, right? Like this is a pep talk. They're about to enter the promised land. They're about to face a lot of conflict, a lot of military battles and military conflict. And there's this pep talk from God to Joshua that I'm going to be with you. So this this could make a great sermon, uh, you know, for us in and of itself. Uh, But it's just the very, very beginning of the story. I see this part of the the arc of Joshua and Judges, which we're looking at today, as this majestic airplane taking off. Look at this beautiful picture. There's a a beautiful uh, sunrise or sunset, probably a sunrise, and this jet is taking off the runway, and God is is telling Joshua, go get him. Be strong and very courageous. Like this is great. This is this this is all this is good news. This is this is what you want at this point. We're going to fast forward to the end of the book of Joshua. So that was the very beginning of the book. Now they've entered the land. They've, they've, they've taken a lot of the land and driven out Canaanites. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Uh, but much of the conquest has happened. This is at the end of Joshua's life. It's almost his last uh, recorded words. And he says, but if serving the Lord, he's talking to the people. And it's this very strong, bold proclamation of faith of Joshua. And you may have heard this passage before. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, uh, sorry, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. This feels a lot like last week's sermon of the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. Joshua basically says, look, me and my house, we're serving the Lord. He lists off these other gods. You can serve the other gods of this world. He lists the Amorites, uh, the, the, the ones our ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, you know, the Egyptian gods. Nobody here in this room is tempted to serve the gods of the Amorites. Nobody here in this room is tempted to serve the gods of the Egyptians but we have our own gods and our own culture that we serve. And we, we have to put our own gods, you know, here. And, and um, I hesitate a little bit to fill in the blanks of what those are, but anything that we put above Christ, anything that we put above him in, in our walk. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But this call is for us. Joshua was saying, look, I'm going to serve the Lord. You can serve what's popular. You can do what the world is doing. You can do what everybody's doing on social media and in in movies. And, you know, like everybody's doing it, right? It's just like you're in middle school again. Well, everybody's doing it, mom. Everybody's doing it, dad. You know, you can just never grow up out of that and just keep doing what everybody's doing. Or you can say, me and my household are going to serve the Lord. So here, we're doing great. This is what you want on a flight, right? You're doing great. The end of Joshua... They've, they've entered the land, the promised land. Joshua and his household are serving the Lord. He says to the church, hey, church, are you going to serve the Lord? And everybody says, yes, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. We're doing great. We're doing great. All right, now we're going to fast forward 
to the last verse of the book of Judges. So in the, in the Bible, you've got the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and then you have Joshua, which we just breathed through, and then Judges. We're going to talk more about Judges after our discussion questions. But um, uh, Joshua's dead, and these judges have been ruling, and this is how the book of Judges ends. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay, is that, is that what we're going to do two slides ago? We're going to serve the Lord, and then we get to the end of the book of Judges, and what's everybody doing? They're doing whatever the heck they want, okay? <laughs> They're doing whatever they want to do. Does that sound like any culture you've ever heard of? Does that sound like any culture you've ever lived in, <laughs> right? Okay, what was the deal, right? They weren't supposed to be doing what they wanted in their own eyes. They were supposed to be doing what, was, what, what the Lord wanted in his eyes, all right? So this is where we're at now. Uh, we, it hasn't gone well. We're at the end of the book of Judges, and this whole covenant, this whole thing that's built up to this point, they've already fallen off the wagon, like way, way, way off the wagon. A really promising start in this type of finish. Okay, so some of you might be able to relate better to this picture uh, when, when you think about a really promising start and this type of finish. So I know, I, wanna, I just want to, you know, be able to, us in our culture, to be able to relate to what's happening in the book of Judges. This was the year, Kyle, right? You were on hard knocks. Your coach is eating people's kneecaps and stuff, and you were drinking the Kool-Aid. Still am. God's like, we could still run the table. We could still go undefeated. <laughs> All right. This is not, this is a disastrous end. This is a disastrous end. Things started so well, so promising, and this is a disastrous end. Okay, so we're going to um, have you go back into your groups for about five minutes to talk about these questions. These deal with the sermon that we're going to that we're in the middle of, and uh, to get your heads thinking about how this applies to your life. So number, the first question, what is something that you've had high hopes for that started strong but ended poorly? It, it doesn't have to be personal. You can be personal if you want. You can talk about the Detroit Lions if you want to, right? You, something you had high hopes for that started strong but ended poorly. And then the second question, why does our society so easily operate by everyone did what was right in their own eyes? rather than obeying God. And on the second one, I underline the word why, because it's, uh, it's, it's a given. I, I, I don't think it's an, we have to argue that this is how our society operates. This is how our society operates. What I don't want you to do is point fingers of where our society does this. Well, our society does this over here. Our society does this over here. That's not what, does that make sense? Like they're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. I want us to talk about why we all as a society so easily go to doing what was right in our own eyes. Because I'm guilty of that. I believe all of us are guilty of that. Just why is it so easy to do what's right in our own eyes as a society and as individuals rather than in God's eyes, all right? All right, so what you see on the screen is a screenshot uh, that I grabbed from Bible Project's video through the book of Joshua. So if you want to dig in more to this, just head over to Bible Project's website or app and watch the video on the book of Joshua. Just type in Joshua, it'll pop up. It's about eight minutes. And they go through this whole, they draw it out. They start in a corner and they, they go through the whole thing to tell you 
what's happening uh, in the book of Joshua. Joshua is one of the few characters in the Old Testament that you would want to be like. Like they're one of the few that that you could you'd want your children to grow up to be like. That at least none of their horrible things they did is, is recorded. But Joshua is a very faithful person. Uh, still not the point of the book, uh, but you do see that in Joshua's life from beginning to end. But the main point of the book of Joshua is that Israel entered the promised land. There was a covenant made with Abraham. We did a sermon on that way back in Genesis 15. Joshua entering the promised land, leading Israel in, that covenant is fulfilled. That promise of God is fulfilled. They got the land that was promised to them. This this new promise to Moses, which we talked about last week, and and you'll see it. I know you can't really see it up here, but um, you'll see Moses in the top left corner, these covenant commands uh, as they enter into the land. That's really when this promise begins. And it was a series of uh, if God says, if you obey my laws, you're going to keep the land. If you don't obey my laws, you're going to lose the land. And we talked last week about how that covenant is not for us. Uh, that covenant was for them. It was promises God made to them. And it's important that we don't hold those promises uh, to us. But we see that as kind of the, the, the as, as we walk through Joshua, they've entered into the land and now they are residing in the promised land. Uh, we're going to go to, uh, I think, a really helpful passage in uh, Joshua, Joshua 5. At the very beginning of the book, they're, they're, about to, they're, they're approaching their first battle. So the battle of Jericho. And I'm just going to start out candidly and say that I struggle with the violence in the Old Testament. If you know your Bible, some of you here do and some of you don't. If you know your Bible well, there's a lot of violence in the Old Testament. And I struggle with it. I struggle with it. Um, it's, it's just a hard thing for me to get my head around. And I want to start by saying a couple things about the violence in the Old Testament. One, we should struggle with the violence in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus actually taught the opposite. You know, we're under the new covenant. We're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. And Jesus taught the opposite of violence. He said, someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. You know, uh, he says, um, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He, he even, he even um, I would say, corrects. The old covenant law, he updates it. You know, he said he fulfills the law, but he said, you heard it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. He's quoting the old covenant law. And he says, but I tell you, I'm going to give you a new, better, different law. That's what he, we have his authority in the new covenant. He says, not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but love your enemy, love them, pray for them. So, so we should struggle with this and that's okay. And I, I didn't really grow up in a church environment that allowed me to struggle with the violence in the old Testament. It was kind of like, yeah, God brought his judgment on those people. And you know, he's going to treat you. He'll, he'll help you in your life in the same way. Right. And, and I don't know. I just think it's okay for us to struggle with, with what happened in the old Testament. And I, and I think it's sad. Uh, so, but if you want to talk more about that with me, I am happy to meet up with you and work through that over coffee or uh, a smoothie or lunch and, and, and talk about some, some of that stuff. So uh, a couple of things about the violence in the Old Testament as it pertains to Israel entering into the promised land. Some of the Canaanites that were in the land, they did turn to follow God. They, they turned in, in uh, this video of a Bible project. They clearly point that out. I, I can't remember where it is on there. Not that you could see it, but it's... It's here in the middle, um, numbers 9, 10, and 11. Uh, the Gibeonites, actually just number 9, the Gibeonites turn. Uh, they, they become followers of Yahweh. Uh, famously, there's a woman named Rahab uh, in the city of Jericho that turns and follows Yahweh. And so, so it's cool to see that some of the Canaanites, they, they met the people of God. 
they followed they 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 followed God and and they became they became people of God as well. The reason I have this passage up here is because we can easily get into this idea that um, whose side is God on, and we can read the Old Testament like God was on the Israelite side, and so God's on our side, and so we're going to come in and you know we're gonna. We're going to do what we're going to do. And I love this. This happens right before the first battle that we find. It's Joshua 5. And it says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? <laughs> this is a big, big, you know, monstrous kind of figure. And he wants to know, are, are you going to help us or are you going to help them? And this at this point, he just says, man, replies, neither. It's really important. But as commander of the army of the Lord, okay, things have just changed. As a commander, as, the, as commander of the army of the Lord, uh, I have now come. Neither. I'm not on your side or on their side. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I, I point to this and it's here in Joshua to show us that uh, th this wasn't about favoritism. This wasn't about favoritism. Uh, this was about God sat, I think we could sadly bringing his judgment onto the Canaanites. But you know what he does later? He brings the same judgment on the Israelites. He actually uses Assyria and Babylon later in the exile. And the text specifically says that I'm going to use them to drive you out of the land the same way I use you to drive the Canaanites out of the land. Okay. And so um, if we, if, if the writers of the Bible were making that up, were making up the story, they would just say, God was our God. We won all the battles. Uh, instead, they're very honest that God was not on their side. They had to be careful to be on his side and obey him. And uh, that, that later they actually got, got God's judgment in the same way we see the Canaanites getting God's judgment. So that's important to me. I don't know if it's important to you, but I wanted to share that because I think for some of you, uh, that could be really important. So now we're going to go from uh, the book of Joshua into the book of Judges, back to our, our train wreck here, the dumpster fire. Um, this is the book of Judges. It's not a book of heroes. I, again, heard the book of Judges preached growing up as a book of heroes. Be like Gideon, be like Deborah, be like Samson. Of all people in the Bible that you don't want to be like, you don't want to be like Samson, okay? The book of Judges is not about heroes. It is about Israel failing and failing and failing and failing and failing. I mean, it is a true dumpster fire in the book of Judges. So um, here's, the, here's the picture, same thing, Bible Project. They have a nice eight-minute video on the book of Judges. You can watch it online, and they go through this whole drawing here, but you'll see uh, it, they, uh, it starts out with pretty good and then okay and then bad and then worse. And Samson is there at the end. He's the worst. There's a progression of depravity as the book goes on and on and on. One commentator uh, said that Judges describes the, uh, a verse in 2 Timothy 2.13 that says, if we are faithless, God will remain faithful. So they were very, very faithless but God remained faithful. So it wasn't about these judges. And it's, it's a really gory book. Uh, it's very brutal. If this was made into a movie, uh, it would not be a movie that I would want to go see or that I would let my children go see. It's really brutal and barbaric. 
God did not sanction these actions. This is just what happened. And Israel was very, very unfaithful. But God remained true to his promise during this. Amen, that God remains true to his promise and doesn't give up on us as individuals or as a society when we rebel and rebel and rebel and rebel. So that's what we see uh, in the book of Judges. He doesn't abandon his redemption. And, And that is really, really news. So by the end of the book of Judges, the Israelites had become just like the Canaanites. They had gone into Canaan not to become like the Canaanites. Uh, they, they came in to dwell in the land, to be a light to all the nations, to the world. Hey, this is how God wants us to live. I believe to this day, the world needs to see how God wants us to live. And what happened is they became just like the Canaanites. And I don't think that's that much different than what we face today. And I was hinting on that a little bit earlier, but when it comes to our morals as Christians, when it comes to the way we live sexually, when it comes to the way we live with our money, when it comes to even the way we live with our life plans, I think it's really important for us to remember from the book of Judges, we are not meant to be like Canaan. Okay, we are not meant to blend in with the land of Canaan. We're not meant to blend in with the world. And honestly, and this is really poignant for Christians today. I think that if, 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 if we were looking down from heaven onto the United States and we had, our, we had our Bibles open and we were reading particularly what Jesus taught about following Jesus, and we looked at what an average Christian does in the U.S., I think we would see a very different picture of what Jesus wants for Christians and what Christians do. Uh, I think that a lot of Christians are good people, but, but we, we, they, we live just like the people of the world do. And then we go to church a couple times a month, right? So it's like my morals are going to be the same as the world. My life plans, like my life plans are about me, right? My life plans are about me and building up my wealth and about, you know, my family and, and my investments and my inheritance. And it's about me, 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 me. And then I'm going to go to church a couple times a month. And I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And I just ask you to be open to the Holy Spirit as you study Jesus yourself to say, I think missing some of the abundant life Jesus came to bring us when he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And and I just want to let the scriptures and the Holy Spirit be the ones that speaks to you about what that kind of sacrificial living could look like in the context God has put you in because we're all in different contexts and it's going to look different for everybody. But what does that type of sacrificial living looks like? My point is it shouldn't look like the Canaanites. It shouldn't look like the world. Our lifestyles, our life plans, our life goals should look different as followers of Jesus than of those that don't follow Jesus. So I would ask you to take time even this week to ask the Holy Spirit to just talk to your soul about that. And, and um, I'm reminded of, I don't know if I put it up here. Yeah, I did. I'm reminded of this passage uh, in Matthew 13. This is New Testament. Jesus is talking about his kingdom and he uses a parable. It's a one verse parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. This is so easy. I found treasure in my field. Oh my goodness, this field was worthless and now there's treasure. He buries the treasure again, so it just looks like a regular field again. Then in his what? What word word does it say right there? In his joy. In his joy, he went and he sold all he had and he bought that field. Picture that. Can you imagine selling everything you have? 
sell everything you have so that you could buy one thing. That one thing better be really, really good, right? That's the kingdom of heaven. That's Jesus's kingdom. And that doesn't mean going to heaven. Jesus talks over and over about bringing his kingdom here, living out his kingdom here on earth. What he's saying is his kingdom, living those principles out here on earth, it is the best thing on the planet. It is the best thing you can invest your life in. It is the best thing you can do. It is the best thing you can commit to is what does it look like to bring Jesus' kingdom here to this place? The world would never do this. The world would say, I'm gonna keep the stuff I have and if you made me you know, um, do this, it certainly wouldn't be with joy, right? And so the, the deeper we walk with Jesus, we go, no, the path of Jesus is the path of abundant life. It is a path of joy. Whether I have stuff or I don't have stuff is irrelevant. What's relevant is I have the treasure of Jesus and I have his way of living and his way of living is different and better than the way of this world. So I love that passage. I love that picture. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to wrap up here with these two different pictures that we get from the book of Joshua at the end of the book and the book of Judges at the end of the book. We've already talked about these passages, uh, but let's go over them again because this is our choice today. So our choice, we have these two choices. The end of the book of Joshua, Joshua gives us a choice. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. I love that. He's like, you don't want to serve the Lord? That, doesn't, that seems undesirable to you? Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You're going to serve somebody. Okay, Everybody's serving somebody. An atheist is serving somebody. Okay, everybody, You're going to choose who are you going to serve. And he gives them this option. He lists out these other gods that they're familiar with. He says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So that's one option. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to trust Jesus that his kingdom is following his ways is better, that he's a better king than I am. That's the choice I have to make. The second choice is the end of the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Or am I just going to do whatever I want? Am I going to do whatever everybody else is doing? Because whatever everybody else is doing sure seems like it's working for them. Is it? Is it working for them? If you're doing what everybody else is doing, is it working for you? Is it? You can really look yourself in the mirror and say, is living for the way everyone else is living working for me? But this foreshadows next week's sermon. It foreshadows this era of kings and an era of kings ultimately leads us to Jesus, where Jesus is the king that we need. Jesus is the king that we need need. Now, every individual on the planet, this is my last question for you to think about. Every individual on the planet has to decide who makes a better king or queen, me or Jesus. Okay, think about that for yourself. Who makes a better king or queen, you or Jesus? Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom. He's inviting you to take the crown off of your head and give it to Jesus and put the crown on his head. That's Jesus's invitation to you. That's the story of the Bible. It's the story that the Old Testament people were faced. It's the story that we are faced as well today.